Christmas. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for celebrating uh, Christmas Eve with us today. Hey, thanks for being flexible in the parking lot and in here. Uh, we appreciate it. We're so glad you're with us. My name's Chad. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'd love to, but we are grateful you're here. And today I want to just share with you a message that I hope uh, encourages you, but let me pray and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this season. Thank you just for the gathering of family and friends, Lord, and, and all the blessings that come with this time. Father, thank you most of all for what you've done for us, for coming to love us, to rescue us, to redeem us, to help us, Lord. And I pray today, Father, that we could just connect to that in a real way. And we ask for your help in all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't, <laughs> thank you. I don't know about you, uh, but I, I'm a Christmas movie junkie. Anybody else? Yeah. And I mean, it, for me, definitely part of Christmas is watching those movies over and over, you know? This year, I, I haven't done so good at it, but I'm hoping to make up some ground this afternoon. It turns out having another kid, you know, consumes more of your time. Um, but uh, but I, I love all of them, you know, and, and kind of at different seasons in my life, th there'll be one that I like more than others. But I have to say, as of today, my favorite Christmas movie is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I knew I was talking to the right crowd here. Now, I know maybe I should be more spiritual, and you know. But I just can't get enough of Cousin Eddie and all that. Uh, but I was thinking about it. I was like, man, what, what does, like, make these movies uh, so, so fun? You know, what, what makes you just kind of want? I've, I've watched them a billion times, you know? And what makes it? And I, I realized, like, most of them have a plot line that is really relatable to our life, you know? And it, and it starts with, like, these really high expectations for Christmas. I don't know if you've ever had those. You're like, it's going to be perfect. All, all the gifts are going to land. Everybody's going to get along. The food's going to be great. And then life happens. And all these, all these things that, you know, have been built up that, that you kind of hoped it, it doesn't quite work out. And then you hit that valley of disappointment, you know, and that maybe some of us are there this morning. Don't worry, there's hope. There's hope at the end of this message. Uh, but then, you know, the, the movie always ends up with a deeper joy, a deeper unforeseen joy that happens. Clark, he doesn't get the bonus he thought. He gets a bigger one at the end, you know? It, it ends with a deeper, a deeper joy. And, and what we've been talking about is, is as we are in this season and we are in the end of this year, how do we end well? You know, we talk a lot about beginning things. We talk a lot about, like, sustaining things. But, but we don't always talk about ending well. And I believe that, that endings are as important as beginnings. And maybe this year there's, there's been huge expectations that didn't come through. Maybe this season, maybe some of us are, are feeling a little bit of that dip of frustration, a dip of, I thought it was going to be this way, but it's not, or the dip of facing you know, scary or difficult things in life. But here's what I want to tell you today. Christmas is an invitation to a deeper joy, no matter what you're going through today. Christmas, is, it's an invitation into something better 
than what might be happening in our circumstances and our relationships. And today, I want to show you that, that through Christmas, God invites each of us to a deeper sense of peace and a deeper goodwill in our hearts. And I'll show it to you today. I'm going to read um, the Christmas story from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2, and let me read it to you. It says this, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, a great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I just want you to, to focus in on that last line because I think that that captures the, the meaning of Christmas, peace and goodwill. And ultimately what, what happens in this passage is that these, these angelic messengers are saying, hey, this is what is coming. This is, this is what the birth of Christ means, that, that there is a deeper, a more real peace and goodwill that we can experience in our lives. Now, when you read this story, there's a lot of crazy things that happen in the Christmas story. Shepherds in the field, all of a sudden angels appear, and probably I would say most of us have not experienced something like that. Is that fair? You know, you're just kind of going through a, a hike in the woods, and all of a sudden you're like, Dude, who's this glowing figure with this James Earl Jones voice? Is that his name? That's just how I always hear the Bible. Um, it doesn't, those things don't happen to us. But, but notice those things didn't happen to them either. Because in the passage, when it happens, Luke says they were greatly afraid, just like you and I would be, right? It's like we're walking in the woods and all of a sudden we'd be like, what is happening here? This is crazy. Am I losing it? And, and that's, where, that's where they were in the story. Now, here's why I bring that up. Because sometimes we can, we can miss the message. We can dismiss the story of Christmas because of the miraculous nature of it. That the, these things can kind of make us think, is, you know, is this real? Is this true? Because, you know, we, we don't experience things like this that much. But, but here's what I want to say to you today. It's something that I challenge you to think about. Whether you are religious or not, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, I believe we all actually believe in the miraculous. We all actually believe that, that there are miraculous things that happen in this life that are unexplainable and that are real. I want to share a quote with you from Glenn Scrivener. He says, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Materialists believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos. Choose your miracle. Now, here's what he means by that. If you, uh, you know, study physics, science at deep levels, you know, all these great scientific minds, they will say that at some, that, that at some point nothing existed. There, there's nothing that existed. And then all of a sudden, something existed. And it became the world 
that we know today. And if you ask them, well, well how did something come out of nothing? Because usually nothing doesn't become something. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't work that way. Nothing can only be nothing. Something can be something else, but you with me on this? <laughs> but how, how did this happen? And, and they'll say, we don't, we don't know. There's a miraculous element. There's an unexplainable element. Now, here's what Luke is saying. Here's what Christians believe. There are miraculous things, but they're not accidental. There's actually a divine purpose behind them, and, and none greater than in the miracle of Christmas. So today, we can believe miracles that are accidental, or we can say, well, they're there, and maybe there's a deeper purpose behind them, which I think there are. And then notice in the story that this story, all of this happens to the shepherds. Now, that doesn't strike us because we're probably, you know, used to seeing shepherds in nativity sets. And, you know, we probably have a good view on shepherds. Like, they seem nice. They got robes. You know, they're into earthy, organic stuff. This is all good, you know. Um, so we have a, a positive view. But during the time that this happened... Believe it or not, shepherds were not liked. And more than not liked, they, they were despised. They, you know, roamed the countryside. So they were in the wilderness. They were never really in the city limits. And because of what they did, they couldn't participate in any of the religious activities. So they were completely irreligious. That was one strike against them. Number two, they had a reputation for acquiring things that were not theirs. You know, they just kind of wander into someone's land and be like, eh, I like this bucket that they left behind. <laughs> hide it under their robe? No one knows, you know? You can hide a lot of things under there. And, and they, they had this reputation as, as people who would steal. And third, they were not allowed, this is how bad it was, they weren't allowed to give testimony in court. Because people are like, no one believes what they say. That, that was their reputation. But here's what's so crazy about Christmas. God speaks to them first. You're like, well, why does he do that? The, the most unlikely group, he spe the, the group that no one would pick, if, if we were making up this story, that the people who would get the angelic message would be like the super religious. You know, it'd be the people that are doing all this good in, in the world, you know, because that's how things work, right? Like, you get early access if you're a season ticket holder, you know? You, you get, if you're kind of the VIP, then you should get the message first, but, but the people who are the exact opposite of that get it. Why? Well, I think God is showing us something very, very simple, but very powerful about who he is, that Christmas is not to shut people out, but to invite them in. That today, whether you know it or not, God actually loves you. God actually cares about you. Way more than you know. No one cared about the shepherds. No one thought anything good of them, but God did. And this Christmas, it is, a, it is the eternal reminder that, that we're, we're, whatever reason we think that we might be shut out from God, Christmas shows us, no, actually, believe it or not, it's the opposite you're invited in. That God doesn't, and what's crazy is that when we begin to realize that God does actually care about us, that God does actually love us, that God is actually for us, 
we start to care about him too. You with me on this? And maybe some of us all this year in our minds, we think we're shut out from God for this reason or that reason. But I want to tell you today, he cares about you. He's for you. He loves you. And he's inviting you into his goodness and his love. The shepherds, that's, we're all supposed to see ourselves in the shepherds. There's all a million reasons for God not to love us, but he chooses to anyway. And he invites them in. And then the message that they get is, I like to just summarize it with those, those two ideas, peace and goodwill. The angels say, if you want to understand the meaning of this, it's peace and goodwill. I think those words are so powerful. Think about what the opposite of those are. What's the opposite of peace? Say unrest, anxiety, fear, worry. I know you don't have any of that stuff in your life. But if you did, maybe a little more peace would be helpful. What's the opposite of goodwill? It's ill will. It's, it's, it's holding anger and bitterness and unforgiveness toward, towards other people. And, and you know, it, it's, it's normal and we all get that in our system. But, but haven't you realized that the longer it stays in your system, the more it poisons your system? That, that you think you're getting them back, but, but all you're really doing is poisoning yourself? And all you're really doing is, is limiting your own joy, your own well-being, your own sense of purpose in life. And so Christ comes to people like you and me. And he says, I want to bring peace into your life. I want to mold your heart to have more goodwill. And what does peace mean? Well, peace first, it means recognizing that God does see us and care about us today. This week, I came home from work and uh, we had some family over and I was talking with them. And as I was talking with them, I saw Abby, she's two, she was just running around the island at our house like a mad woman. And she was saying something, but I couldn't quite make it out because I was in an adult conversation. I was trying to have one, you know? And, uh, and, she start, and she just started yelling, yelling louder. And then I realized what she was saying. She was saying, Daddy, talk to me. <laughs> just running. Daddy, talk to me. And she had a little toy cell phone in her hand. Yeah. It's kind of cute, but then I was like, you're already, like, thinking about cell phones right now at two? This is going to be a long teenage episode here. And she said, Daddy, talk to me. And, and then so, you know, of course, kind of cancel the adult conversation and just go straight to make-believe cell phone talk. Um, and, and it was fun, but, but what was she, she was clamoring for attention, right? Which is not uncommon. But, you know, that, that, that's something that is inherent to the human heart. I don't think we ever really grow out of it. I think we just get more sophisticated in our approach to it. That was a pretty unsophisticated approach to it. If you do it, it's not going to work at home. But we find, we find better, more creative ways to, to still fill that need. Here's what, here's what peace means. It means that you have the attention of your heavenly father. He sees you. He knows you. Now listen, he knows all of you. The parts that you can't filter out or whatever, but he still loves you. I love this quote by J.I. Packer. He says this, He knows me as a friend, one who loves me. There's no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. This is momentous knowledge. 
There is unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for my good. I want you to find peace today in knowing that whatever you're facing, whatever is weighing you down, whatever is hurting your heart, you have a Heavenly Father that sees it. Maybe no one else does. Maybe you've tried to explain it, people didn't get it. And that, that happens. We can't always understand each other as much as we would like to. But there is a peace in knowing that God sees. He understands and he cares, church. He cares. And he's willing to help. There's a peace that that can bring to our life. Here's what peace also requires. It requires provision and protection. You can't have peace in a war zone because it's dangerous. You, you, need, you need certain needs being met. And when I think about life, I think that we all have very real needs in our heart. And we try to get those needs met through other people. We try to get those needs met through all the different things in life, buying things or achieving things or going places. And it's just, it's a human reality. There, there's deep needs within all of our hearts. But I want you to know today that Christmas invites us to allow God to actually fulfill the deepest desires of our heart. To, to invite God to just say, all right, Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to overly worry about my life. I, I'm just going to trust that you'll help me and that you'll meet me. That if you, if you cared enough to send your son for me, that you certainly care enough to help me in this difficulty that I'm in today. There's peace in that. God is trustworthy. God is good. I'm telling you, you, you go through things and you pray and you pay attention, you'll see that he's actually real. You'll see that, that, that his help is not just something we talk about at church, but, but it's something that can actually come into the details of our life. And there's peace knowing that you don't have to do this crazy thing called life all alone. That's the worst feeling in the world when you think it's just you against the, you know, you got your back against the wall and there's all this stuff that's against you and it's up to you to figure it out. Here's the beauty of Christmas. It's not up to you to figure it all out. You have a God that is with you. In fact, that is, that is the word that is used to talk about the coming of Jesus. Emmanuel, what does that mean? God with us. Not, not that person that you think, well, of course God is with them. Of course God is with grandma. She's a saint. Of course, you know, God is with auntie over here or whatever. No, it means God is with you. And he's there to help. And then peace, peace means forgiveness. All of us, we fail. You, you ever notice it's hard to live up to your own standard? I'm starting a new diet this year. Very hard stuff. <laughs> I'm going to work out. I'm going to get up. It's hard to live up to your own standards. It's hard to live up to the standards of others, too. We, we, we fail them. And, and life is a mixed bag. We, we mess up. And so what do we do with all that? Well, the easiest thing to do is, one, to just either deny it, you know, bury it down deep, don't let it get any uh, whiff of air, or, you know, you just sort of carry the guilt and the shame of it. 
and, and you go through life with a bag of rocks on your back. And then you wonder, why does my back hurt today? Because I'm carrying all the junk, all these, these memories and these moments that, that haunt me, these opportunities that, that I miss, the way, the way I failed at times, the people that I love, or you know, the dreams that weren't realized, and, and, we, and we can carry that. But here's the beauty of Christmas. God says you do not have to carry that. Church, this, this is what is so amazing about the message of Christ. He says we can be completely and fully forgiven by what he's done. Christ came as a baby, but he died as a man. And he died for you, and he died for me, and he, and he died, and he said, look, you, you can't figure this all out. You can't cleanse yourself. You can't clean up your act, but, but I will do it for you, and I will help you. When I was in junior high, our football team, we uh, were driving the bus back from a game, and everybody was like super rowdy, and they were just making a mess on the bus, being obnoxious. And I, I, before the Lord, honestly, I was a good boy on that ride. <laughs> May have been the only time, but it was, I was good. I, I wasn't in any of those shenanigans. And they were, and so the coach got so mad at, by the time we got to the school that he's like, all right, you guys have been horrible. You're not listening. You made this bus a disaster. You're disrespectful to the driver, all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, coach, those guys are idiots, you know? And he's like, and you know what? Because of that, those who were, you know, doing all this, you got to stay after and clean this mess up. You're going to scrub this bus down. And I was just like, man, stinks to be you guys. And guess who had to stay behind? Your boy. Yeah. Fully innocent. And I had to clean up these knuckleheads mess. And do you think I did it with a good attitude? Absolutely not. I made sure everyone knew. Now, here's, here is what is so much better about Christ. You and I, we've made a mess. We've, we've broken, we've hurt, we've done all these things. But here's the beauty. God says, you know who's going to clean up that mess? It's not you. Even though that'd be the fair and right thing, but Christ is going to do it for you, but not out of a grumbling heart, out of a heart of love. Church, that's why Christianity is so incredibly powerful and beautiful. And when, when you experience, and I think we have to continue to experience that forgiveness, guess what it does? It brings peace to your heart. If you are reliving your failures night after night, I want you to invite Christ into your life and I want you to experience the peace that he has for you. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, church, this is all a gift. This is all a gift. What does God ask in return? This asks that we trust him. That's it. Peace, all of this, and this is the beauty of Christmas. It's all a gift. Now, today and tomorrow, when gifts get passed around at your house, I'm sure that it would be an awkward scene if you got a gift and then the person that gave it to you, you're like, all right, how much do I owe you for that? That would be weird. Now, if I give you a gift and you do that, I will receive that. I'll be like, yeah, it was, uh, let me get the receipt. You know, I got three kids, church, you know what I'm saying? Times are tight. Um, but that's an awkward thing. Some would say, you know, it's maybe a little unbecoming. I don't know. But you, you don't, you just, the, the way that you receive it is what you do. You just say, thank you. Thank you. And it ends right there, doesn't it? That's the same way you receive the gift of God. 
You say, thank you. You don't say, all right, Lord, if, if you help me with all this, I promise, you know, we've all made those vows to God. I promise I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll be in church every Sunday. It doesn't quite pan out. That's not what the Lord is looking for. He just wants you to receive it with trust and with gratitude. And today Christ is saying, hey, just receive this. Receive this gift that I have. You receive this peace. And then he says, good will. Here's the second thing. I think when, when we live from a place of peace, it, it changes our hearts to have more goodwill towards others. I know that you probably don't get angry and bitter at people ever in your life. I know you're so holy that no one can get on your nerves. I know your family is so perfect that you just kind of walk in and it's like the music, it's just amazing. But if there's anyone out there that has anger issues or gets bitter sometimes or gets frustrated with the people around you, then I'm talking to you today. This is for you. Goodwill. Goodwill. Now, the opposite of goodwill is ill will. And what does that look like? We know what it looks like. It looks like unforgiveness. It looks like people hurt us in the past and we never let it go. Never let it go. It means bitterness. That stuff, it, at first, unforgiveness tastes good, but it's got a terrible aftertaste. It gets real bitter. And it gets ugly in our hearts. And then anger can build. It can be beneath the surface. You say something, someone says something, and all of a sudden you're snapping. What's the root of that? The root of it is, is ill will. That's just been there. That's been building. Or sometimes it could be explosive anger. Be hurtful sarcasm. Anyone ever say something to you really nasty, and they're like, I'm just joking. And then you say something back, and you're like, I'm just joking too. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> what is that? That's, that's, that's ill will. Oh, I'm just kidding. No, you're not. Gossip, slander, you know, just talking behind their back, coldness. Sometimes, you know, sometimes ill will is like, we're just like, you're, we're ghosting you. You ever been ghosted before? Sadly, I find myself, that happens a lot to me. I don't know. Pretty sure it's not a me problem, though. Just kidding. But that, that's a way. We just cut people out, right? We can just cut them off. Again, it's just, it's a symptom. It's a sign of ill will. Now, all these things are normal. And probably, they could be really normal in our places of work. They could be normal in our families. They could be normal in our friends group. But, but Christ offers something better to us today. Because although ill will is a natural and it's a normal reaction, it's not a healthy reaction. And the more we live from it, the more that it actually takes away from the quality, the meaning, and the purpose of our life and our relationships. Christ says, I've come to bring you peace, and I've also come to shape your heart to have good will towards others. Now, one of my big prayers for our church as we end 2024 is that no one goes into the new year with unforgiveness and bitterness in their hearts. I, I am praying that for you. That, that you go into 2024 and you go in lighter in your spirit because there, there's resolution. The ill will, it, it's been flushed out of your system and you're starting in a different place. Now we need God's help to do that.
We're, we're imperfect people. And Christ says, I'm here to help you. I'm here, I'm here to change you from the inside out. It's a, it's a nasty world, but we don't have to be like that. All that stuff's normal in the world, but it doesn't have to be normal in your heart. All that stuff, it, it feels natural, but it doesn't mean it has to remain. I read this week most of Ken Sandy's book on peacemaking, and he gives five ideas about processing some of this in our life. He says, number one, when you find, when you're honest enough to look in your heart and say, man, there's ill will here, what do you do? He says, first, just say, how can I glorify God? How can I do what pleases him, not what pleases me? Because sometimes what pleases me all the time, actually, is just fighting fire with fire. You come at me, I want to come back stronger at you. And what happens? It just all escalates. But when I ask, how can I please and honor God, it takes me down a different road. The same is true in your life. He says, secondly, sometimes we just need to overlook stuff. And so you ever have a fight with your spouse and you're like, where did this all start? Like, why, why are we fighting again? Because it's, it's just gone from, you know, A to Z, and you don't even remember what A was because it really wasn't even that big of a deal, but you didn't overlook it? I guess I'm the only one that does that. Cool. Cool, guys. Thanks for making me feel good. But there are some things that, man, in life, we just, you know, thick skin can be a blessing. And just being able to say, I'm just letting that roll off my back, man. We all have bad days. We all make mistakes, and we want to give grace. Third, sometimes we can't do that, though. But when, there, when the conflict is real, when, it's, when it is something that needs addressed, then he says, begin first, not by looking at everything that's wrong with that person, but begin by asking God, Lord, help me to see what I can do different. You know, maybe, maybe my attitude, maybe, maybe I've actually been creating this dynamic without knowing it, but, but you look first in the mirror. Again, the easiest thing to do is to never look in the mirror, but always be like, oh, what, what a terrible person they are. Well, no, start with your own heart. Say, Lord, help me to look at my heart. Then four, gently restore. Gently. Deal, deal with the more gentleness that we bring, the better. Better. Have a conversation. Man, this hurt, this is... This is painful. I've been carrying this around with me, but, but in the spirit of gentleness. And then lastly, go and be reconciled. Ask God to help restore the relationship. Christ wants to bring goodwill. Maybe this is God's call on some of us this season. Maybe there has been too much ill will in our families. And God's like, hey, part of my gift this year is reconciling. Bringing, creating a, a healthier place and doing a healthier work in your heart and in theirs. I read uh, a week or so ago the biography of Elon Musk by Walter Isaacson. Super fun, interesting read. The guy is crazy and genius at the same time. And it was, it was amazing to read all that, all that he has accomplished, um, you know, in it, the companies and technology. It is just very, very fascinating to me. Um, but the one of the things that drives him the most that he comes back to again and again and again with a maniacal urgency is to figure out a way that human beings can get to Mars. That's his driving goal. Because he believes that that is the only salvation for humanity. 
is to figure out a way to live off planet Earth and on Mars or somewhere in space. That there is no salvation and hope for humanity ultimately beyond that. And I couldn't help but read that and think that's so interesting. Because here's what Luke says to each of us today. The hope for humanity is not on some other planet. The hope for humanity came to this planet. The hope for humanity is not outside, but it's inside. The hope for humanity is Christ coming for you and for me in everything that we need. Because the real issues in this world are not physical, they are spiritual. And everything starts there. And in Christ, what we need is right in front of us. Church, you might be looking outside yourself. You might be looking and thinking, this is what my family needs. This is what my life needs. This is what my heart needs. But I'm telling you, what you need, it's right in front of you. It's here. It's here every Christmas since that first one. It's the person. It's the work. It's the goodness of Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is ask, is invite him, is open your heart. He loves you. He's inviting you in. He's inviting us in. And as we pray today, I pray that you'd open your heart to that. And you would taste and see the goodness and the wonder of who he is. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the power and the meaning of this Christmas season, of what every Christmas ultimately means. Father, sometimes the, the meaning gets lost on us because life is hard. It's crazy, it's busy. It's pain is real and difficult to process. And where we just pray in this moment that you would make yourself real to us like you made yourself real to those shepherds. I pray, Father, that the message of who you are would just compel us to take a step towards you today. I pray we could experience your goodness in a way that our heart needs it this morning whether some of us need some peace. Lord, we're just, man, it's been, 2023 has been hard. I pray, Father, for your peace. Where some of us just might need uh, our hearts changed towards someone in our family, towards a friend, towards a coworker. I pray, Lord, that you would grow that goodwill in us. And I pray, Lord, that all of us, all of this would just lead to us saying, Jesus Christ is excellent, and he is worthy of our worship, of our praise, of our thanks. And I pray we would thank you, and we would love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.